<laughs> well, I mean, you know, third time's the charm, and we're going to try to, you know, we'll get it right eventually. <laughs> I'm, I'm Rick Antonio in for Rick Antonio's News Talk Report. Sorry, I'm a little under the weather. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but... Uh, yeah, sorry we're a little late as well for our live viewers. Uh, but, you know, nature calls, duty calls, whatever you want to, however you want to call it. Um, I think we've got things straightened out, at least, uh, what we're going to talk about today. There is one thing that's not on the notes that I just pulled up within the last, you know, five seconds. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I'm joined today again by the excellent, the great, the long-lasting... Uh, Tyler CK, and again, we're just making sure that everyone out there is being safe in the weather. It's cold all across the country. It's uh, especially in Texas, and we talked about that last week. The uh, the the black ice in Texas. Uh, I didn't know it was as bad as it was, and uh, you let us off with that. Yeah, and I. It was definitely. Uh more of an issue now than i thought it was going to be then like before i thought it was just like oh yeah it got it got cold sometimes that happens in texas not always but sometimes it does mm -hmm. and that just creates like the the black ice on the roads when no one's really prepared or paying attention for it and turns out that this year was not it ended up being more than ice thing. yeah especially uh again we're we're in michigan so i mean we're not getting nearly as much as Texas got, but Texas had some chilling, bone-chilling uh, temperatures statewide. Yep. And from my understanding, it's the first time that they've had a statewide chill warning in every single county. Yeah, it's, um, it's very unusual. Very, very unusual, you know, yeah, very cold. And like, they, they do get a little bit of snow down there. They do get, you know, some cold temperatures, but... No, never usually the entire state at the same time yeah. too and to pair with that that the entire texas power grid which we'll get into that in a second but the entire texas power <laughs> grid is out um i mean not anymore at this point i mean people are seeing their power restored according to axios uh two million homes are already seeing their power restored uh it, this yeah, is saying i know my aunt was saying to us that her power is back but I know my cousin's power isn't so yeah and this is as of uh, that, as of this Thursday according to Governor Greg Abbott but apparently the Axios article says 325,000 Texans are still without electricity sub-zero wind chill throughout most of the week I mean I get it it's cold and you know we yeah. most of the country is dealing with that unless you live west of you know Texas <laughs> Which is, yeah. or Florida, apparently. But I guess even west of Texas, the temperatures are dipping a bit there, too, this time of year. So, uh, one person who did manage to take a dip, or try to take a dip in a pool, was Texas Senator Ted Cruz. And while normally I wouldn't cite an opinion article as, you know, news, there are some facts sort of cis excuse me, cited in it, and uh, just going on about what's going on with Texas. So, again, Ted Cruz, him, his family, his wife, and I believe two daughters, I'm not up to speed on their social life, um, flew down to Cancun, Mexico to get away from it all. And uh, I, I won't go into detail. I won't put my opinion in on it, just sharing what actually happened. Uh, Cruz was quoted saying he did it to be a good dad. His, his kids said, hey, can we go away this weekend? 
Um, something don't smell right. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I can kind of see <clears throat> that actually being just you know the case. The reason I can see yes, but you know, uh, uh, getting the plane tickets the Saturday beforehand. Yeah, that's seems like a rush rushed plan. Yeah. Uh, the, like I said, source, uh, CNN opinion article, but sources I've got from ERCOT, the ironically named Texas Electric Reliability Council or Electric Reliability <laughs> Council of Texas, excuse me, uh, couldn't handle the cold weather, statewide cold weather. I would imagine if it was the entire, if it wasn't the entire state, maybe it could have been fine, but, uh, yeah. they, they supply about 90% of the state's power. Uh, but did not pay plants to be on standby for emergencies like this, which means electric prices uh, apparently can spike during the, the high demand and in some cases be shut off when uh, petroleum sources are not available. And uh, there were a lot of people saying, oh, wind power this, solar power that. I'm not going to blame those sources, but um, a lot of others. Well, when, you, when you look at that, yeah, there are, you know, no power sources without a fault. A backup but plan is always good. I'm not going to rule anything out. A backup plan is out. good. And the issue with their uh, wind power sources is they weren't to the same standards as the rest of the country. And I think that's where the issue lies. Potentially even the world. Everyone is citing, oh, wind power bad, oh, solar power bad. Well, you know, we're getting those same temperatures here in Michigan. And the, you know, we're not having an issue like that. We're not having right. that same freezing windmills. We're not having, you know, I mean, in some places, solar panels breaking because of how cold, but not all over exactly. the state. Um, and it's not to say that it doesn't happen. It's just to say that, right. you know, it, it can happen, but the it, standards like for the rest of the country are a little bit higher on those. Whereas, yeah, I'm sure they work properly when they do work. And I'm wondering how much of that is just... I'm wondering how much no of that prepared for this cold of weather to the Texas grid, the Texas grid again, not the American grid <laughs> the, no. because they no. supply their own, uh, their own sources. So that way they don't have to deal with federal laws, federal rules. I'm not a well-versed energy official, but you know, uh, with ERCOT supplying 90% of the state's power, they're not federally regulated. In that case, right. which means, like you said, the wind power, the solar power. I don't know how much ERCOT has control over that in particular, but if it's not up to snuff, it's not federally regulated either. So yeah, um, it, it, there's no guarantee that they're not up to standards enough to be like just perfectly fine normally. Like, right. Right. Eighty percent of the time, I'm sure they're perfectly fine for what you know they were used for. Yeah, most of the time. Just, but when you get you know, you know negative, what is it, negative ten, twenty, thirty? I thought. Yeah. So there were like, that's not a normal temperature in Texas. Yeah, according usually to, uh, ever. According to that same Axios article, the uh, the what did I say? Two million had their power restored. There's apparently thirteen and a half million other people facing water distribution issues, including millions under boil water advisories. Have you seen the pictures yep. of the ceiling fan with the icicles dripping from it, or the toilet bowl that's just frozen over? It looks like a looks like a mountaintop almost. <laughs> it's, it's, I have it's, not. Uh, it's a bit out there. So I'll but, definitely have uh, to look at those later. So that again, fe federal regulation as 
probably the big case as to why ERCOT is the Texas grid as opposed to being part of the American, you know, the rest of the country regulated. Right. And uh, most of that reasoning I actually got from ABC 13 down in Houston. Uh, Speaking of them, Jimmy Kimmel actually had them on last night. Uh, During his opening monologue, he mentioned them about uh, an effort that they're putting on. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, but uh, if you text ABC 13 to 41444 to donate directly to the Houston Food Bank, again, this being... 2021. I don't know if that's going to be a forever number or whatever, but uh, they did put it out there to help uh, provide food and comfort and support for people that are dealing with the issues down there. <clears throat> so in uh, another speaking of live in entertainment, uh, the article that I got from Bill Warden from MSN say, you know, Saturday Night Live gets a reprieve as Emmy separate variety talk and sketch categories again. I understand, yeah, SNL is going to get a, a boost on that, jumping from Jimmy Kimmel to SNL, of course. Um, the changes by the Emmys were originally done on December 4th, saying that the Television Academy announced its rule changes for the 73rd Emmy Awards, uh, separating awards, uh, excuse me, combining awards for variety talk and variety sketch series into one category, Outstanding Variety Series. And that, as of this week, apparently has been changed back. The Academy released a statement saying the Television Academy's Board of Governors has reviewed its recent decision to merge the Variety Series program categories and has determined Variety Talk and Variety Sketch Series will remain separate, at least for this year. So, I feel like they definitely don't need to be the same category. No, they don't. Because uh, you get into talk shows in that case. You get into other uh, TV talk shows and what's going on. It, it, if it's for entertainment, they could potentially both just fall into the same category. Right. So, uh, but going back. I feel like to... with talk shows, it's definitely more just like actual talk show. And with sketch, it's a clear difference between the two. Absolutely. Um, the way I see it, anyways. The Emmys reversal is suggested that they saw what would be uh, comparing apples and oranges, according to the article, but it's also a sign, that, at least according to the opinion writer on this, that Lauren Michaels of Saturday Night Live has a bit more swing with the Emmys than we thought. Uh, personally receiving 91 Emmy nominations, winning, or nominations and winning 19 times and inducted into the TV Academy Hall of Fame in 1999. So the uh, other uh, nominations, at least of last year, uh, HBO's Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, that won a couple outstanding variety talk series the last five years, and this year the other nominees in the category that was set to be a combined category the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Full Frontal with Samantha B, Jimmy Kimmel Live, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and going up against shows like that, those are newsertainment kind of shows, and a mm-hmm. lot of people are tuning into those for essentially their news. I mean, a lot of people aren't exactly trusting a lot of news sources right now, and I'm not going to delve into that, but um, when you go to Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel for your news everyone's tuning in that's when they're getting out of work if they're out late if they're working late so uh, i can see why saturday night live would be a little upset with the change 
Yeah. So Especially now, since Saturday Night Live doesn't really like a, a news thing. Yeah, Saturday Night Live they, is they a cover They cover like, you know, pop culture present things, but it's it's really not a, a news source. Right, and that's where you get into the difference between the two categories because you got one yeah. that is strictly entertainment. Yeah, they'll poke and they'll make they'll even make political jabs sometimes, but that's not news. <laughs> you don't get your news from Saturday Night Live. Uh, right. <clears throat> but that's um, I'm wondering when that change will be in effect before the when when are the Emmys this year? That is a good question. Uh looks like that will be well, the last one was on September 20th. So probably around that time this year. I don't know. I I didn't catch I mean, last I, year. I didn't catch the you know the seventy three before this one. So <laughs> right. Uh, I I don't really pay attention to award shows of any kind. So when they are, I have no idea. Right. And when it comes to award shows, typically which which one covers films? That that's usually the one um, that I at least read up on the next day. I'm also not sure. I I so. want to say. Golden Globe, but I'm I have no idea really. Huh. Uh well on to our next uh on to our next topic. We've got just a little bit of uh I'm not gonna say drama with it, but the COVID nineteen vaccine. And we talked last week about distribution and Johnson and Johnson going into a singular shot. Um a singular shot. Uh but apparently this week, according to ABC, two women dressed as grannies tried to sneak in to get a COVID-19 in Florida, a COVID-19 vaccine in Florida. Uh, they obviously failed, so they're not winning any Emmys. But uh, the women showed up to the Orange County Convention Center wearing bonnets, gloves, and glasses, the whole nine yards, according to uh, Dr. Paul or Raul Pino, director of Florida Department of Health. And this, again, coming from ABC. Uh, they were in their 30s and 40s, according to the sheriff's office, and... Uh, that would make them ineligible to receive the vaccination outside of a healthcare or long-term care facility setting. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people across the country that are uh, either essential workers or they're they're older in age that are still trying to get it in the first place, and it's not an easy thing to come around right now. And while people are saying it should be more accessible by April, uh, that that's to be determined. Unless more things start getting approved or changed. That's uh, that, that's a touchy subject, the actual availability of the vaccine. But, you know, this is almost like the, the two guys in a trench coat trying to get into the movie. <laughs> and I, I love that story because it's just, I guess from what I, I think I saw in the article, was it was their second dose? Oh, so they had they gotten in got... before then. I'm trying. I'm trying to pull that up as well. Um, yeah, because the the whole first line, just just to quote the whole first line of it, is two women disguise themselves as grannies in a failed attempt to get a second dose of the vaccine. Oh my goodness! The two, which had, means uh, they would have had to have gotten it already before for the first dose. Oh wow! So they they did get through then. It worked once already. Uh, either at either disguise disguised as grannies, or they got it from somewhere else, or maybe they are you know healthy field workers and they just didn't want to wait so they decided hey i'm thinking maybe granny had a new, uh, granny worked the first time apparently <laughs> i mean they had valid i they had valid vaccination cards from their first shot but on their second attempt there were issues with their driver's licenses according to dr pino 
They said that they issued the two women trespass warnings after their dates of birth did not match they had those that they had used to register for the vaccines. <laughs> so the question now, though, is they already got first shots. So do they just wait months on end for the second shot, or are they going to have to start all over again, or how is that going to work? That that's a, a really good question. I I because we don't really know where or how they got their first dose, but it's just dependent on that, really. Yeah. Um, apparently, in body camera footage obtained by ABC, again, this being an ABC source, uh, the women, uh, let me see, admonished the two, a deputy had admonished them for their selfish selfishness of stealing a vaccine. Now you're getting into, okay, well, who gets to, who, who's writing the laws, who's enforcing them, and who's putting their opinions out there? Yeah, they're right. I mean, deputies, uh, deputies, I don't, quoted I don't as saying, feel like it was uh, them stealing anything. I don't think stealing, skipping like, a line, maybe. But then you get into right, like, all the uh, you think athletes and higher ups and that that's a different tangent in, in itself. But uh, yeah, like I don't it? feel like what they did was right. And I do think they did violate some rules or laws or anything like that. But. I don't think stealing is the one. I don't think stealing is the word I would use. Right. Uh, The deputies quoted as saying, you know what you've done. You've stolen a vaccine from somebody that needs it more than you. And now you're not going to get your second one. So that's a whole waste of time. We just wasted here on this. And if that's the case, (laughs) I mean, now you're saying they're wasting the vaccine. Would it just be easier to just give them the shot at that point, just to give them their second dose? Right. Like you could give them the, the shot and then have them pay a fine of some kind. Yeah. Like, and that that makes sense, you know, because I know a lot of cases, vaccines and even testing is free across the country. Uh, they they were uh, it does look like they were flagged using the vaccine software. Quote, you're not going to get a vaccine, so you got to wait your turn. <laughs> if you come back at any time, you're going to be arrested. Hmm. Well, so much for so much for our plans next weekend. <laughs> All right, I was I was looking forward to that vacation down in Florida. Yeah, the vacation down in Florida, or <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was talking about uh, we were planning on dressing up as grandpas or a camel. You know, just well, who who gets to be hump one and who gets to be hump two. No, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm totally I'm totally in the front hump. Oh boy, uh, I'm, I'm not putting my face anywhere near you're behind. No, <laughs> no, not this time of year. Shoveling, working up. But anyway, uh, speaking of tasks that not that not a whole ton of people want to do right now, uh, let's get into uh, technology and how climbing robots could usher in a new age of automation. That's one you sent my way. The uh, from the World Economic Forum, the. trillion is expected to be invested in automation and robotics by 2030. Now, how much of that will be going into warehouses and replacing people moving the boxes? Uh, You know, older warehouses that aren't aren't exactly Amazon warehouses that are set for robots and that sort of thing. Uh, There's actually an Israeli firm, Bionic Hive, and it revealed its squid or robot. You know, they're calling it squid. I don't think it would do very well underwater looking at some of the stuff. Probably not, probably. yeah. Uh, the squid robot will work with a standard pallet rack at any working facility. And if you've seen the video on this, I'll see if I can pull it up. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to let me. Uh, this thing 
it carries things around just like any sort of lo um, what, what's the word? The uh, not crane. Like a forklift. Uh, forklift. Yeah, it carries stuff the like stuff that. around like forklifts do, but smaller loads, of course. But it can climb up the sides of the tall. Uh, Sorry, I'm shelving units. Shelving They're, units, yeah. The, the, where, the, where the industrial the storage, storage like, units, yeah. yeah. You would have in the, yeah, like, like in the back see, storerooms where you would find in like a Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever your and what's impressive DIY is, store is. What's impressive is the seamless, how it goes from the floor to the shelf, how it goes from the storage along the long rail just to find the one mm -hmm. thing on the shelf. And then, it, and then and you the see fact it, that it needs to be programmed to know exactly which number to go to and which location. Like, yes, yeah, that's, that's getting into organization of it too. But yeah, um, seeing it just pick the thing up off the shelf and then zoom back to the end to climb back down—that's, uh, I don't want to say scary, but <laughs> it makes you wonder what other jobs can be automated. Hmm, podcast host. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, it says by 2025, 85 million jobs are. Uh, alleged to be displaced by a shift in the division of labor between humans and machines, according to the World Economics Forum, World Economic Forum's 2020 Future Jobs Report. Uh, but the actual numbers on this device in particular, again, it's a newer device. Uh, it looks like the only... Hmm, that one of the only current uses of automation and robotics is providing... Uh, service to grocers like Kroger in the United States uh, or Ocado in the United Kingdom. But uh, until I see a squid as it's, uh, you know, a squid machine running around with a crate of bananas, who knows? Uh, it says that thanks to onboard sensors and machine learning, transporting goods wherever they are needed are done easily and the robot can carry weights of up to 15.8 kilograms now how much is that in freedom units at this point <laughs> uh that's a good question i don't have about I don't 34 know 35 pounds it looks like it's about 35 pounds and then it climbs the existing racks of shelves within the warehouse attaching itself to vertical sets of rails and runners so it's almost like you know your you know like your kitchen drawer how it's on the rails it looks like the wheels mm -hmm. just lock in on something like that on the shelf um, yeah the only thing is when you get into things like this, I'm looking at this video on here, just run it around. These things are organized. Did you do you remember the a couple of years ago there was a halftime show with Lady Gaga and a whole bunch of drones, a whole bunch of lit up drones in the sky. It was uh, one of the last the last few Super Bowls that was held at the uh, Houston Texans Stadium. Mm. Uh, just moving around like a beehive, and that's why the company is called, you know, Bionic Hive. Right. It makes sense. Uh, well, I mean, the whole goal is to put a whole bunch of them in a warehouse so they can just all work together. Yeah. And then you get each box, you get it to the guy at the back of the truck, or who knows, back of the truck, they'll just drop the stuff on the truck. And then the the truck driver or the automated Tesla truck, you know, we're going down the rabbit hole on that. But it goes from here to here to here to here. Like, on the one side, I do feel like it's really cool and awesome because it shows that our technology is moving... Advancing. ...in a, in a, in a cool, like, direction with it. Yeah. But then at the same time, it, it does kind of suck because it could be used to replace a whole lot of workers, Very, which... A large number because... Granted, none of them really want to be in that job to begin with, 
most of the time. In some cases, other cases, people are glad it, because it's a it can be a decent paying job, a decent highly right. paying job in some cases. Like I'm not I'm not like knocking anyone that does like that job or wants to have that job. I'm right. just saying like I know that there's a lot of people that it, it puts some strain on and say they don't want that job. It puts but... strain on you. I'll say that. Yeah. Because I remember uh, I used to work at uh, uh, higher end, not higher end, but uh, well-known retail store mattresses. And, and taking those things out by hand were not the easiest thing in the world. So No. Uh, continuing the uh, tech conversation, uh, looking a bit at how other animals use tech, not just humans. Scientists have taught pigs how to play a video game, and they're actually pretty good at it. <laughs> that, according to CNET, uh, Hamlet... Omelette, Ebony, and Ivory are four pigs. Hamlet and Omelette being Yorkshire pigs, and uh, looks like Ebony and Ivory are uh, Panapinto micro pigs. They're ambassadors for their species, as the article quotes. The quartet focused on a study that tested whether they could learn to play a video game. Uh, according to CNET, Purdue Animal Behavior Specialist uh, Candace Crony said... Uh, that chimpanzee cognition experts, or actually Candace Crony and uh, Sarah Boyson, chimpanzee cognition expert, they wrote an article on uh, the study of pigs in uh, Frontiers in Psychology uh, a week or two ago. Uh, the experts found that first they had to teach the pigs how to manipulate a joystick, a regular, you know, the old Atari, uh, the Pong joystick, with their snouts. Mm. And then they taught them how to move the joystick and play a game on a monitor right in front of them. Uh, they're hmm. not playing, you know, shoot 'em ups like everyone else is nowadays. You got shoot 'em ups or Animal Crossing or things like that that could win Game of the Year, but <laughs> uh, they apparently perform tasks well above chance. So it's not like they just nudged it and said, "Oh, well, what's going to happen next?" Maybe. Just by pre-calculating. Like they actually somewhat managed to move something yeah. the direction they yeah. were supposed to. Through Kind of like how you could put a, a mouse or something in a maze and they'd be able to find their way through. Right. Uh, according to the research, though, it said, front, uh, said that the Frontier Research said uh, pigs failed to meet the criteria used for primates. But that, that's kind of hard to do without thumbs, you know. That, that's, yeah. That's... <laughs> uh, they suspect it's connected to the way... The experiment functions, you know, if it was uh, one of those newer adaptability controllers that Microsoft has been putting out, you know, where it's just a giant pad with uh, the big, looks like bongos on it. I don't want to say bongos, but uh, for those less abled, you know, we could, it, it may be even more accessible for the pigs. So I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't doubt that the pigs are probably going to be put in more experiments now that they know how to play Pong. <laughs> See how long the year it gets was twenty fifty nine. The world tournament for Pong. Oh god, Tetris and <laughs> you get into all these big esports, Rocket League, Overwatch, and you just see a whole bunch of pigs lined up. And you know, there's plenty <laughs> of jokes people could make right now about pigs playing video games. Mm, uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there you're getting into a toxic environment, but mm. yeah. don't want to say the wrong thing on that, but you know, it's one small step for Piglet, one large step for Piglet kind. God, okay then. Well, on to the on to the next uh, on to the next 
bit that we found. Uh, we go from tech to animals in tech. Let's just grab just a regular animal story. We got out of uh, Butler County, Ohio. Uh, the Butler County bomb unit had to be dispatched to a suspicious package that uh, was thought to be a bomb outside a church, but ended up just being newborn kittens. They were found at a church in New Miami, according to a Facebook post from the Butler County, Sh County Sheriff's Office. Uh, they didn't hear ticking. They heard purring. That's what they said. They got up to it. They heard purring. <laughs> they used their, their bomb unit used its x-ray equipment to view what was inside the bag, expecting wires and technology. And uh, this MSN article says that according to the Butley, Butler County Public Information Officer, uh, Kim Peters, that's, you know, they just found a whole bunch of cats. Uh, it was a black duffel bag with a mom cat and six one-day-old kittens. Aww. There was a note inside the bag that said, Mom's name is Sprinkles. She began giving birth at 2 p.m. The kittens were born Wednesday, February 17th. That's, I mean, it's sad, but at the same time, knowing that they're not where they could have been abused or hurt or anything like that is a right. much better like, story to tell. It, it sucks because no one wants to see, you know, just a bag full of kittens. On yeah. the right side, at least their mom was in there with them. And it wasn't just they took the kittens and threw them in a bag and dropped them off somewhere. Right. And, and then and also it looks another like good were... thing, it wasn't a bomb. So Yeah, it's a really good thing it wasn't a bomb. <laughs> but uh, and... even better thing, it wasn't a kit, the kittens and a bomb. Okay. That, that would have just been tragic. Yeah, that, that would have been very bad. And it looks like whoever dropped them off, taking them to a church, their mind was in the right place. But from my understanding, right. the old uh, the old. Uh, trope was babies left at the fire department, wasn't it? So I, I, I don't know. So, that's yeah. you know, uh, according to the sheriff's department, the kittens were brought to the Animal Friends Humane Society this week. Uh, they're all being bathed after uh, you know being freshly born. Uh, <laughs> they need to be cleaned off. They were cold, but you know, apparently Sprinkles was a good mom to them while they were just chilling there outside the church. So they, they all got their shots. They all got tested for uh, whatever cats need to be tested for. And they're all survived and uh, fine and healthy. That's good. So uh, let me close on some of these. And I did I did mention that I had something that we didn't uh, bring up before uh, starting the show. It actually has to do with Netflix. Apparently, Netflix is bringing back the Chappelle show. It was taken off after a lot of people were saying that Dave Chappelle needed to be paid. He needed to get his money. And I I agree. The man needs to get paid if he was not being yeah. adequately compensated. Uh, according to IGN, Netflix previously removed Dave Chappelle's show after Chappelle requested he be compensated, but says now they, this is again, quote from Chappelle, they called me back, I got my name back, I got my license back, and I got my show back. They paid me millions of dollars. Thank you very much. And uh, Dave Chappelle is one of the bigger names in comedy, in my opinion, at least. He's got yeah. His his sketches are up there. They're they they touch in on terms things of a like lot of people. Our generation, he's definitely one of the top. Oh ones. yeah, you talk about older Comedy Central growing up. It was Chappelle's show all the time. Yep. So, uh, jumping back into what we had, let's talk just a bit about more sports because we're getting ready to wrap things up. Uh, the NFL, like I said, not a football podcast, but something that's affecting the entire NFL. Uh, the NFL has informed teams that the 2021 salary cap will be no lower than $180 million. 
A slight increase from last year's previous agreement between the league and the NFL Players Association. That according to ESPN. Uh, oh, is that per player? That or is, is not that like per player. Wait. team gets like that That's much to question. spend on buying players. Um, $180 million. Again, this is per year. So when you when you look at the way players' contracts are broken down, you get the bottom of the rung. I, I think they make God knows half a million. All right. If you're if you're a bottom of the rung undrafted rookie, I don't know. I, I think it's only a couple thousand. Uh, NFL. Let me see that real quick. Rookie rookie minimum NFL six hundred and ten thousand dollars. And you know to be a practice squad rookie in the NFL and make right, six hundred ten thousand. Oh darn! I don't get to play this week. Let me just cash my half a million dollar paycheck. <laughs> so. Yeah, the league told teams in a memo Thursday morning that $180 million is not the final 2021 cap figure, just an adjustment of the cap floor. So that is the... Uh, is, uh, now, if I'm reading that right, that's the minimum that teams have to pay? So between all uh, 53 men on the roster, that is what they have to pay all 53 of them combined. I don't know. I could be I could be reading that backwards. Um, so it just an estimated floor. So there could be changes. There could be updates. Uh, last summer, according to ESPN, while negotiating the terms under the which league would proceed during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the NFL and the NFL Players Association agreed that the original salary cap floor of $175 million per team would be good for 2021. But you know, with things changing every day, virus-wise, football-wise, team-wise, there have been a number of big trades and big releases so far already in the month. Not even month. It's only been two weeks since the Super Bowl, right? So, yeah, that's. I mean, things are happening fairly quickly, and then the and then the draft will be around the corner soon enough. <laughs> uh, just to ditch off a of football, like I said, uh, we do have a bit of baseball news. Our uh, I skipped right over our basketball news. Uh, NCAA will be allowing fans into the March Madness games this year. Limited numbers, of course, and all games, all 67 games going on at uh, uh, being played in Indiana this year. Uh, spectators expected to be across the country. I'm looking at it and it says uh, the Big East Tournament will be at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I'm trying to see where March Madness is at this year. I'm assuming... Uh, Lucas Oil, but that's... Uh, yeah, it's going to be Lucas Oil Stadium where the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts play. So they're going to have all the chairs, all the seats ready for people to come in. And then a majority of them locked off because it looks like 25% capacity for all 67 games being played in that stadium. Uh, according to the New York Post, the NCAA said more information will be made available after March 1st for the tournament. Uh, that will be hosting all of its games in an NCAA bubble. Now, in that case, you got to remember these guys are still students. Yeah, these guys are the, still students. Um, so to keep them in a bubble like they, that, they don't want to. I mean, as students, they they still have to go to like classes and everything like that too. So it's yeah, that's what's throwing hard. me off because all these classes yeah. you get into, who's allowed out of class? I know when I was in school, uh, you miss three classes, you fail. <laughs> Depending on the class, I mean that could be a strict attendance policy, but well, I mean, that's... most of my classes were. Oh, you weren't here. Oops. Okay. Yeah, no, there <laughs> were. I had quite a few that said you miss more than three, you're done. 
Well then, thanks. I guess it just can't say I had any that were like that. Yeah. At least none that you know actually Jeez. mattered. But yeah, the twenty-five uh, percent capacity for the NCAA tournament, according to the New York Post, will include participants, essential staff, and family members of participating student athletes and coaches, along with fans. So that twenty-five percent seems like it'll be dropping and dropping and dropping to who can actually get in from the public, because you're going to be mm -hmm. get, including coaches and staff. Uh, participants and family. I mean, all, already when you include the participants, coaches, and staff, you're already like a really good chunk of how many people can be there. Yeah, and at the same time, you got to keep in mind that Lucas Oil Stadium has a full capacity of seventy thousand, and they have uh, they have luxury suites that I think would count as sectioned off enough to be able to bring a private party into, but. <clears throat> Yeah, that's I think that's how that, take on that, that should work for those at least. And then to uh, see where we're at, talk just a little bit about baseball before we finish things up. Uh, baseball's getting ready to start. We mentioned in, was it last week, that the Major League Baseball Players Association said they do not want a delay of the, sit of the uh, season, right? Yep, I think we were saying that as far as we knew and as far as they knew, everything was on track for them to start on time. Yeah, and as of uh, what looks like, I wrote it all down on here, it looks like pitchers and catchers for a majority of teams <clears throat> reported on the 16th or 17th of February with first workouts for them starting the next day. Uh, position players, as in uh, first base, second base, outfield, that sort of thing, all reported on February 21st or 22nd, depending on, you know, when they all came in. And then their first team workout, obviously, the next day. And uh, where you get into with that, those, and 21st and 22nd, I'm thinking ahead. Uh, that'll be middle of next week, I think. Uh, first full team workout on the 22nd. First spring training game, including our Detroit Tigers, February 28th. Uh, regular season starting April 1st for a majority of teams, including, again, our Tigers. Um, <clears throat> playing into that, though, you got all 30 teams being split between their practice facilities in Arizona and in uh, Florida. So, let's see. Uh, well, actually, the story, the uh, the article we had pulled up, pulled up for that is that of the players reporting for spring training, uh, 13 completely 13 of 4,336 tests done for COVID-19 came back positive, you know, so 0.3%, 13 out of almost 4,500. Uh, that's about that's it. Good. And uh, that, that is really, really good. So I'm Rick Antonio for, again, this week's Rick Antonio News Talk Report. Uh, thank you again, Tyler TK, for stopping by. We've got... Yeah. Uh, next week's stuff we'll work on that and we'll post it and start getting this thing spread out around social media uh, and we're on Twitter we're on YouTube we're on Twitch and now we're on Anchor and Spotify so thanks again have a great night <laughs>